0: Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com.
1: I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. Last month, Hurricane Florence walloped parts of North Carolina. According to the Weather Channel, it was the wettest tropical storm to ever hit the Tar Heel State. So how did the restaurant industry respond? Some helped FEMA weather the storm, while others got to work feeding people on the ground. We just walked in and said, we know how to cook, what can we do? They said, I need you guys to just cook 150 pork loins, and we were just like, uh, okay. (laughs) Now, the attention needs to be on Florence's long-term effect on North Carolina's farming community. The general mood of farmers is one
2: of, certainly, resilience and Almost feels like it's the normal course of business to just get hit by a gigantic hurricane and need to just keep on going.
1: So tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host Takiko Tema, a food writer and a of the New York Japanese culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We sushi and uh, we see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond the sushi? We hear Dashi Wamini Sakaya. But what exactly is Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And I have three guests today from Katana Kitten, a new Japanese-American bar in the West Village in New York City. Masahiro Urushido is the managing partner, head bartender, and the director of Deliciousness. Um, Masa became the Cheva global master, uh, one of the best bartenders of the world in 2014, and was the bar manager at Saxena Pearl, a great new American restaurant in East Village. Masa came out to the show on episode 71 and talked about his cocktail philosophy and Japanese cocktail culture. And James Toon is the general manager and the managing partner. He's also the general manager and manage managing partner at the Boilermaker, the East Village Mainstay. And he's been in the business a long time, as uh, so many as 15 years. And Greg Baum bon is the corner and the founder of Cocktail Kingdom, and, uh, which brings where to find great cocktail books and a barware to the cocktail community. He is also the creative mind behind the cocktail kingdom hospitality, which includes existing condition in Greenwich Village, Maze and Boilermaker uh, in the East Village. Japanese cocktail culture is getting global attention lately, but we don't know too much about what it is outside of Japan, so today we'll discover, uh, discover it through the unique concept of katana um, But quickly before we start, Japani is available on Heritage Video Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, as a podcast, and also Spotify, actually. And so please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and subscribe to Japan Eats. And if you have any ideas of, uh, ideas about topics or the show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japaneats at org. And a quick announcement, uh, the number uh, the 23rd Smoe Stew is coming to New York on Monday, November 12th. Booking Brewery in Williamsburg. Uh, it will start at 8pm. And as you may know, Sumo Stew is a seasonal live streaming event of sumo matches straight from Japan. And you can enjoy Japanese food from outstanding restaurants as you watch the matches. Tickets are available at eventbrite.com and uh, look for Sumo Stew. It's It's So Sumo Stew. And uh, for Japan- Japanese listeners, there is a $10 off discount code, that's Japanese. that's one word, Japanese. And finally, I'll be uh, moderating an event at Japan Society on Wednesday, October 24th at 6.30pm. The theme is uh, Crafting Beer, Traditional Techniques, Modern Brews. And Joshua Bernstein, beer journalist and author of Homebrew World, discover the secrets of the world's. Uh, leading homebrewers. And he will trace how Japanese sake techniques and producers influence today's global craft beer trends. The talk and discussion will be followed by tasting of Japanese craft beers and the beers influenced by Japan. For tickets, please go to japansociety.org. That's japansociety.org. Now let's start a conversation with Masahiro Urushido, James June, and Greg Bo. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: So, uh, first of all, uh, we'd like to know each of your backgrounds. So, uh, where are you from and uh, how did you get into the cocktail industry?
2: Uh, I guess I'll start. So, um,
3: okay, so this is uh, Greg.
2: Hi, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, I started, um, I'm from New York. I grew up here, I've lived in and around the city most of my life. Um, I came into the cocktail world in a uh, Roundabout way. So I started in book publishing, and among other books, my family's publishing company published books about cocktails. Um, and from that, I met a lot of bartenders, started importing barware. And then later, um, opened my first bar uh, with James, which was Golden Cadillac, followed by Boilermaker, a few others, and now most recently, Katana Kitten.
3: Mm, so that's a very abbreviated version of introduction. I think you are really into details of cocktail history and bottles.
2: So, yeah, through that, um, as I started um, learning about cocktails, I started collecting antique cocktail books Mm. and i ended up with the largest collection of antique cocktail books in the world Uh, i believe i don't think anybody has a larger collection maybe somebody will correct me oh wow Um, and i met a lot of bartenders who wanted to research using my books or sometimes purchase some of the cocktail books from me so i met a lot of very influential cocktail bartenders and that at that time a few of them mentioned to me there it was difficult to get good barware in the United States going back 14, 15 years ago. So I started importing barware from Japan and Germany, and that was the beginning of Cocktail Kingdom.
3: Mm -hmm. Wow, so um, yeah, I heard that you you even gave a lecture to Japanese bartenders in Japan.
2: Yeah, (laughs) um, at the Peninsula Hotel in Tokyo, I've given lectures uh, to Japanese bartenders about the history of cocktails.
3: Mm. Right, I should learn more about that. So, okay. So, what about you, James?
4: I uh, broke into the business about fifteen years ago. I started managing nightclubs and bars. Uh, did that for a few years, and in two thousand and seven, I joined Pegu Club as a manager, and that was my first real experience with with cocktails mm. in the cocktail world. So, Pegu
3: Club, by the way, for listeners not familiar with, that's like one of the best bars, no question.
4: It, uh, yes, it's a very respectable bar. It was one of the first, um, not the first, but one of the first uh, doing cocktails of that caliber. And um, a lot of great bartenders came from there. Mm. And during my time there, I, I learned in a, a lot. And, right. uh, it was a great experience overall.
3: And also, it's led by, founded by a female bartender, which is like a uh, record breaking yeah. <laughs> kind of achievement. Yeah,
4: Audrey bartender. Saunders, uh, one of my mentors. Mm. Uh, she's fantastic. and. and really gave a lot to, to this industry and the cocktail industry in general.
3: Mm-hmm. And you from New York?
4: Yes, I'm also uh, born and raised
3: in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait, wait. Before the show we're discussing where the the bar, that cocktail culture came from. It sounds like it came from New York. So it's, uh, Definitely New
2: York's rich in cocktail history. I mean, where Cocktail Kingdom's offices are is on the same block where the Hoffman House was, which was uh, the golden age of the American cocktails. Roughly 1860s to 1890s and one of the most famous bars was the Hoffman House, which is in the Flatiron district was in the Flatiron district. Um, now it's the
3: 4040
2: club <laughs> well. uh, yeah New York is definitely steeped in cocktail history
3: mm, Right. okay and uh, Masa I gave you a quick uh, introduction at the beginning, but
5: uh <laughs>
3: <laughs> So you're from where
5: yes um. Uh, I'm originally from a small town called Minowa in Nagano Prefecture. And my first job in hospitality was um, a place called Tablos in uh, Daikanyama, Tokyo. Um, At a time when I started as a food runner, I was one of the finest dining in Tokyo. And before that, I was just delivering pizza, so it was (laughs) quite stretched. But um, yeah, from there, I just, you know, um, really enjoy every single I'm working in the restaurant and bar so and I moved to New York for college um, but at the same time this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was working in the restaurant and the bar so right
3: yeah, yes. okay so for listeners if we want to know more about uh, Masa's interesting background you can listen to uh, episode 71 okay so um so why did you decide to open a cocktail bar together? I
2: mean that was actually James's idea to bring the team together. We already had opened open Boilermaker and then, I mean, you can speak to that James as to how you had the idea to bring the team together.
4: Um, always been a fan of Japanese culture in general. I know Craig has been there a bunch of times and very knowledgeable in, in cocktails and, and Masa's personality really fit what we all wanted to do and that's kind of how it came together, uh, opening up a Japanese American Neighborhood bar mm. that that did great cocktails, served great food, but in a very um, laid back environment, um, mm. exciting, happy environment, and I, I knew that th- three of us could open a place like that.
3: Aye. So, what's the Masas personality <laughs> fitting the cook? <cookbook. laughs>
4: he's yeah. a, a fantastic bartender, and he's very entertaining, kooky at times, which I love. Um, <laughs> it's it's all, it's all part of the experience that we're trying to you know bring at Katana and It's the smile. Yeah, he has smiled too, always happy. People love coming in to see him.
3: Mm. I, that's another reason I used to go to his bars too. So. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, what is the concept of Katana Kitten? <laughs> is this for me? Yeah, yes.
5: sure,
2: Masu, why don't you discuss
5: it? Um, I think Katana Kitten, um, the concept is this is a Japanese-American bar. But really in a setting of very casual... You know everyone's everyday bar, and then that's something we wanted to create, and and then lots of inspirations from izakayas, uh, in Japanese, very casual drinking, eating, uh, meeting place, and. So that kind of sort of meets some places like like neighborhood loving uh, Boilermaker, maker which James uh, and Greg's place in the East Village. So you know doors always open and you know anyone can come in for like one drink to just bring a bunch of people back. And um, so it is. It is. We take pride in like what we uh, deliver the, the drinks and the food. But like it's really a very casual, laid back, um, fun place.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely
2: okay. In Tokyo, um, I it's a lot of people, a lot of Americans I should say, uh, think of Ginza style bartending, which is a more formal style bartending, if they f- start learning about Japanese bar culture. Mm. Um, having been to Tokyo many times, I can't count how many cocktail bars I've been to in Tokyo, and talking with Moss and James, we started realizing we want to take inspiration from other neighborhoods other styles so a little bit of the fun of shinjuku Mm. some of the history of asakusa some of some aspects of ginza of course as well
3: Mm. so you were saying ginza is like high end and asakusa and shinjuku like more kind of casual you know to
2: a large degree asakusa can be very traditional ginza Mm. can be high-end and yeah shinjuku can be well anything it can be fun (laughs) and a little crazy (laughs) and uh Masa was saying we wanted to take the neighborhood bar, but not just one neighborhood, really aspects of the fun part, definitely, as well as the high-end cocktails.
0: Mm,
3: Right. So uh, why did you name it Katana Kitten?
2: I made that name up one day, and it was never really meant to be the name of the bar. And we weren't coming to a consensus on another name. And we started asking different people, and... Not everybody loved it, but everybody had a reaction to it and we definitely wanted a name that didn't sound like a restaurant. Mm. So um, yeah, eventually we all agreed to it. It wasn't it wasn't instant. We had to live with it for a while.
3: Mm. So what's the meaning of Katana Kitten and the implication of it?
2: I mean, the literal meaning Katana being Japanese samurai sword and a kitten is a young cat. <laughs> <laughs> but more of it the uh, katana has a sharp edge there's some precision in what we do and the kitten I would say represents the playful aspects Mm. at least that's my take on it you know the kitten is more the playful aspects you guys may have a slightly different uh, take on it similar the you know the katana aspect is the serious side of you
4: know our cocktail program is, is we, we take seriously the food aspect of it the product itself mm. and like greg said katana uh, kitten is more of the playful um fun side and we bring to the table
3: mm. okay um right so like you know master mentioned it's a zakaya part that's casual and every day and uh, w- well, for listeners who are not familiar with exactly the, what the exa- izakaya is in Japan, maybe you can just uh, summarize what izakaya concept is in Japan. Yes,
5: uh, izakaya. It,
3: it,
5: when you walk in and then when you experience, it's very easy to <laughs> describe it that the izakaya itself is very casual uh, neighborhood eatery. Um, so they serve alcohol and they serve food, and definitely. Um, reflect on where that owner or either uh the location is uh is from so if you go to like north and west and each neighborhood's got the uh you know reflection of the the seasonality also Mm. on the menu so you know from spring to the winter and you know drink sake um beer highballs and uh, these little skewers and all these things and then that's where you can really eat relatively or very very cheap
0: mm. um,
5: that's the very approachable you know like very inviting um, style of the um, food mm. establishment and the drinking establishment um, but you know cheap doesn't mean like or reasonable price doesn't mean um, you know that the, or they slack in the preparation or, or you know that the flavor is like better like you know so but um no izakaya is great uh, just it's pretty much everywhere so mm. you won't miss it and you know when you land in tokyo and probably the first place you want to go Aye. to um yeah fill your belly
3: yeah because it's so there's so many izakayas and it, from small mom and pop to chain stores they're so competitive that you find really good food there so yeah, it's a great place to be. Right. So that's the casual aspects uh, in Katana Kitten's concept.
5: Yes. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yep. Okay. And uh all right, so let's talk about um the whole menu. So um how um what's the signature cocktails in at Katana Kitten?
5: Signature cocktails, uh, we have, we kind of sectioned out uh, three categories uh, on the drinks menu. Uh, first one is a highball, uh, second one is a signature cocktails, and then, then also followed by boiler uh, boilermaker. So ca- highball cocktails, so signature one, I would say, uh, this is a Toki highball, the, this is a grey whiskey from uh, Santori. Wait, wait, and so highball yes. is,
3: in, by definition, this country, like tall glass. Cocktail, right? But yes. in Japan, there's a specific identity associated with it.
5: Most, I would say like 90, 100%, mm. uh, when, when you say highball in Japan, it's referring to whiskey highball. Mm. And um, again, the Suntory is a big part of Japanese culture in general, and they make whiskey just specific for Japanese uh, market as well to make this uh, one is called Kaku, Kakubin. Um, Mm. It's something that the design and the juice hasn't changed for over 30-40 years. Mm. Um, Hybo is great that the light and refreshing, essentially it's uh, alcohol and then carbonated and non-alcohol beverage. So that kind of basically lower the alcohol content uh, when you consume and also brings out lots of flavor and amazing pair with all this food as well when you go to izakayas. Some are, you know, like all this pickle, like some are a little bit salty, some are a little bit oily, uh, but, you know, pair with a highball, that's going to basically cut through the fat and then you can do it again mm. for a long, long time um, nice. over the night. But, so, yes, highball cocktail menu. But uh, we included not only uh, whiskey highball, but as a category, we have this house signature, Ginny uh, Tonics mm. take on it, all this... Um, um, Dark and stormy, so it's something that falls falls into the category that we uh, make season to season. Uh, Summer stays uh, for over the seasons, but uh, this kind of you know we put everything together to make
1: Mm -hmm. a variety
5: of offering in the highball as well,
3: Mm. and the Japanese flavors. Yes, right.
5: I think each item has got like some certain. Uh, Japanese either ingredients or all these traditions and other uh, signature cocktail basically from martini to negroni twist, all these uh, classic cocktails, twist, but uh, take on a very special touches and Boilermaker again that uh, homage to Greg and um, James's bar in the Ace Village so basically beer and shot but but we took that to more fun way, more playful way of um, Essentially, a pairing of the little something in the shot glass mm. and to uh, serve with the, uh, either beer, cider, um, some unique item on the menu as well. Um, it's called La Mea, but basically, it's um, half bottle of Krug champagne and then comes with the uh, four shots of tequila.
3: <laughs> yeah, mm. that's fun. I was looking at it. Um, and also, um, for instance, they have a Hinoki Martini, that's Cyprus Martini. And uh, you have Grey Goose and uh, Springford for Mountain Gin, Pinot Sherry and Junmai Daiginjo and the Hinoki Tree Essence. So sounds pretty Japanese, and I?
5: Yes, I, um, and then it's still, again, that the very classic martini preparation, still nice and dry martini, um, but very, very unique again. The mm. Hinoki tree essence that's only you get to taste at the in the katanakin.
3: Mm. I'll be there soon and try this yeah, one. Yeah, that one's
5: pretty delicious, <laughs> as are many of the drinks on the menu. But that one's really nice.
3: Mm. By the way, the Santori just uh, released a new gin, woku, and uh, vodka like right? rice vodka. Yes, so, you know, have you ever tasted them? Yes, hi,
5: delicious. delicious. Mm. Hmm.
3: So, it's uh, I think uh, we're going to talk about Japanese uh, bath tools later, but Japanese spirits seem changing too, like it's expanding, not just not just the Japanese whiskey, but more products coming out to the market, so it's good for Katuna Kitten, I think.
2: Yeah, it's nice for us to have uh, availability, not just things that are new to the market, which of course, you know, the Suntory Gin, and, uh, but also things that we haven't been able to get before, anytime that there's a new Japanese product available in the United States, it's certainly exciting for us.
3: Mm, right okay so uh what about uh, the food that's uh you know izakaya food i think
2: certainly inspired by that yeah.
5: yes um maybe james want to talk about the experience in <laughs> tokyo that, that's that we took a trip in tokyo um last year uh, before october. opening october before opening mm-hmm. um and then you know like again the, from the experience we certain get like lots of uh inspiration for the menu and then james maybe want to talk yeah
4: about. it's uh the menu's not that big it's a it's about 11 12 items but it's meant a lot of it is meant to be shared a lot of men a lot of it is smaller portions so as you're drinking cocktails you're ordering food you don't really order all the food at once you can order and drink throughout the night, and that's mm. kind of
0: very the experience. Izakaya very
4: Izakaya, <laughs> very. And a lot of the places I went to Tokyo with masa was like that, mm. um, and it was great. It was, uh, you know, so we have a lot of great dishes on, on the menu that go with our cocktails, and um, they're fantastic.
3: Mm. That's interesting. I think uh, the restaurants, as far as I know, in America tend to. You, you asked order everything at the beginning probably they have to manage all the settings and stuff i understand it but i think in japanese you're just like can we start with this of course and as you go you tend to order more because mm. you drink more too so that'll definitely yeah.
2: work to <laughs> a katana
4: kitten
3: <laughs> yes uh,
4: absolutely that's you know that's part of the culture you may start you know you may start with ordering the crudite or the deviled eggs you have a few cocktails mm. maybe a few boilermakers and then you order some more things on the menu and it's sort of that vibe where you can order and order food as you go you don't have to order everything else
3: right and i was looking at you know you mentioned double eggs but it's uh with white miso and uh salmon roll and there's uni add if you want to have add-ons so that's pretty japanese too even double eggs. so that's great and uh what about the sandwich so usually say sandos, that's pretty japanese
4: yeah so my my when I was in Tokyo with Masa, we had the uh, classic katsu sandal, which was ham, and I thought it was one of the best things I've ever had. Um, and when we were working on the menu at Katana, um, we wanted to kind of do our version of it, and, and Masa wanted to do more to mortadella, um, which is fantastic, and uh, we do our version of it, and it's one of the most popular dishes at
3: mm. Katana
4: Kitten right now.
3: Right. So I'd assume it's like Japanese-style sandwich?
4: Yes, yes, absolutely. Mortadella is kind of sort of like a bologna, but a very good tasting bologna, mm-hmm. not what mm-hmm. usually what Americans are used to. It's a high quality meat.
3: Right. And
4: and we fry it and we put it in in
3: mm. the, the fluffy steamer. Japanese bread.
4: Fluffy
2: Japanese bread, no mm-hmm. crust, no crust. <laughs> yeah.
3: <coughs> yeah, that's I think it's a, uh, you know, by the way, in Jop- in Japanese or you know, the society they they don't say sandwich. But they they say the sandwich, but sando. Mm-hmm. Is sando, <laughs> yes. Classic. Yeah, you can find a good sando uh, even at convenience stores.
4: <laughs> one of the best sandals I had was in a 7-Eleven in <laughs> Tokyo. And he told me about it and I was, you know, I was kind of laughing about it. But when we went in there and I grabbed the egg, the egg sandwich, um, which by the way, we also have our version of an egg sandal on the menu.
0: Mm. Um,
4: but I had the 7-Eleven one in Tokyo and it was one of the best egg sandwiches I've ever had.
3: Well, I think a uh, convenience store in Japan is quite different. Like it's it's not uh, convenience. It's it's a craftsman store in a way. Every single item, even like a dollar or two, you get the best onigiri, you have the best sandwich.
2: Yeah, definitely. I find when I'm traveling in Tokyo, it's where I eat a lot of my lunches. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, but yeah, the foods. I mean, obviously, our chef, um, it's part of Cocktail Kingdom Hospitality, Nick Sorrentino, and then our chef uh, at Katana Kitten uh, Sid. Have been really taking inspiration from Masa and things that he remembers and has taught all of us. And then James' experience and uh, really made it approachable and, again, we're focusing on our cocktails, but at this point the food has become almost an equal part.
0: Mm,
3: Right, so I think, um, you know, the, the concept of izakaya, like we discussed already, it's you need the food. And the Japanese classic cocktail bars, you don't eat. You just keep your back straight and yeah. appreciate every sip, which is another classic beauty, but izakai is more fun.
5: Yes, this is, a, again, the Japanese American bar. And then the bar, a good bar has a great food, like, like wings and, you know, like certain thing that people come back for. Mm. So our case is, again, that people like our drinks, but also our food as well.
3: Right and I think in, there's important difference also that in Japan restaurants don't have waiting bars so if you want to have good cocktail you have to go to old serious cocktail bars which could be expensive or you just have to you, you don't know I, if I at first time I went to Japan and you know I don't know what to do with the cocktail bars it's like so serious <laughs> and uh, it's kind of uh, intimidating yeah uh, I think
2: that's I mean definitely when we opened we didn't want to be too serious I don't think it's a good fit for the West Village where we're located and it doesn't really, it's not James Massa or my personality to be that serious all the time. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, again, I think some of our favorite bars in Tokyo, are also some of the less serious ones, I know Rock Bar Mother, Uh, James and Masa went there and not knowing I had been there also it's like definitely not a serious place loud, loud Mm. place (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we definitely took our inspiration from all different types of bars in Japan
3: Mm. Right, so it sounds like uh, you have the best part of serious cocktails like, you know, serious bars here and in Japan but then there's an ambience that you can have cocktails not sake or anything and in the same place as restaurant ambience so that's the the best kind of idea.
2: Yeah, and we have two floors also, so the upstairs and the downstairs have a slightly different uh, vibe to them, mm. and and they change throughout the night as well. So I mean, downstairs can be a little more restauranty at the beginning, but late in the evening, it's much more inspired by Golden Guy area of Shinjuku, <laughs> which is small a little bit irreverent and um kind of funky
3: mm, so golden guy is just a famous you said funky but uh, <laughs> it's a very concentrated area of crazy small uh high quality or just funky eateries with a lot of
2: personality too mm. i mean i think a ton of personality yeah each bar <laughs> seems to be based on you know small bars with four to eight seats Mm. that's uh based on something from the owners past whether they were in a rock band once 30 years ago or they want to collect toy trains but that's the focus Uh, so we have a little bit of that personality downstairs that's Mm. really i think late i don't know if you guys have a favorite time down there i like it late in the evening late night it's always fun
4: uh, we, we get larger parties down there as well, so mm. it, it's a it's a different vibe from from what's upstairs and I think downstairs you really get if you haven't been to Tokyo, you really get that true mm. uh, feeling of, of of being there um, in a type of bar style that they
3: have there.
2: yeah we were inspired by Golden Guy, but we yeah. don't have six seats. We actually have room <laughs> for <laughs> a larger group
3: right um, yeah, but who come to uh, your bar the Cat and the kitten?
4: The clientele is very mixed, Uh, obviously being in the West Village on Hudson Street, it's a very busy, popular street. We do get neighborhood regulars, but we also get people coming from all different types of neighborhoods. Um, We've been lucky and fortunate enough to kind of spread the word and become popular, and we got some great press over the last month or two, so the the clientele is, is very different age gap is is different as well 25 to 45 50 just different kind of ages coming in here and again because we have the two floors we can give people kind of two different experiences if they want more of that restaurant sit-down feel we can put them downstairs and upstairs if they want
2: cocktails and drinks uh, more standing room upstairs Mm. we definitely have a lot of people that are coming to see Masa and James from knowing Masa from you know, different place, Saxon and brawl certainly in other places. And James from Boilermaker, we have a lot of people are coming as a destination heading to the West Village, where uh, often East Village drinkers go all the way <laughs> to Hudson Street to have a cocktail now.
3: <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, so now let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, uh, we will talk about unique, uniqueness of Japanese batu. So please stay with us.
0: Koren's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Koren is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table. Be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit korin.com.
3: Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese Podcast Me Live Studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Kutayama, and I have three guests today from Kitten, a new Japanese-American bar in West Village in New York City. Masahiro Urushido is the managing partner, head partner, and the director of Deliciousness. And James Toon is the general manager and the managing partner. And Greg Born is the co-owner and the founder of Cocktail Kingdom, which brings rare to find great cocktail books and barware to the cocktail community. So um, so I would like to know more about <coughs> the Cocktail Kingdom because I know that you have great bar tools from uh, Japan in the catalog as well. So, sure. what is uh, the Cocktail Kingdom and when and why did you start the company? Uh,
2: so, I started Cocktail Kingdom 10 years ago now, almost 10 years ago. And we started with doing re, uh, republishing very important antique cocktail books to make them accessible to bartenders. Uh, and after I started doing that, people, mostly bartenders, let me know there was a need for better barware than was currently avail- widely available uh, in the U.S. So, I started importing barware from Japan and from Germany Uh, over the time it changed and Cocktail Kingdom now designs and manufactures almost everything about 99% of the products that we sell we design and manufacture Mm. Um, the inspiration a lot of the inspiration still comes from Japanese barware though
3: so do you design those
2: (laughs) yeah I mean our team does at Cocktail Kingdom we have people that design everything we often work with celebrity bartenders. Mm. Um, people from our world like uh, Dave Wondrich, uh, the author of Imbibe and a great cocktail historian um, has helped us with a design of the barware that's based on antiques. Mm. Uh, one interesting, interesting thing about Japanese barware is some things could be a, a bit of a misnomer. I mean, I can blame myself for the Japanese style jigger that we call it now, which is what I named it a dozen or more years ago. Uh, turns out to be an American patent that was then made in Japan. We stopped making in the United States, mm. and so now what we call the, what's commonly known as the Japanese-style jigger, which is a measuring device that's two-sided, often one ounce on one side and two ounces on the other, um, is actually a U.S. patent from the late eighteen hundreds.
3: Interesting. That's like a kumamoto oyster. Kumamoto oyster died, extinct in Japan, and it came back, and. then they brought here, it. Yeah, we started here again. So but uh, so what is the key though? Is this the precision or what's the what makes yeah, a difference? It's, it's the
2: quality, I mean and the the aesthetic um, being matched with something that's manufactured to be used on a commercial bar on a busy Saturday night. So the coil of the spoon is smoother so it won't hurt your finger when you're stirring lots and lots of drinks over the course of the night. Um, and then there are some types of barware that are more common in Japan than they're in the US. Uh, Again, the cobbler shaker, which is a three-piece shaker with a strainer built in Mm. Again a US patent, but it's much more common to see Japanese bartenders using the cobbler shaker American cocktail bartenders will be using two tins tin on tin Mm. So uh, usually an 18 ounce and a 20 ounce tin that then fit together. Um, I don't know if in Masa in Japan Did you start with cobbler shakers? Yeah That'd be much more common
3: mm. um. well, i really wonder though i think japanese people tend to have crazy mindset to just pursue everything in tools i think that's the craftsmanship buried um since the beginning of the history of japan like you know the, the japanese cooking knives I think that's based on Sunrise Sword, mm-hmm. and uh, Sunrise Sword is banned, now switched to culinary knives, that kind of thing. So there is a foundational aspect of yeah, it. Yeah,
2: and single purpose things. Mm-hmm. In other words, a spoon that is made for stirring cocktails, a strainer that is made for straining cocktails, not finding something that is... Americans often, I mean, I'm generalizing, but like to find something that's good for everything. And I find when I started going to Japan a lot, I would find more specialized tools that were for a very specific purpose, mm. and in a lot of ways better.
3: Right, yeah. It's like uh, wasabi grater. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> the samurai. Uh, the, the, the shark skin. Shark skin. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, so, for instance, um, the well, before that, was the German tools are as good as Japanese because they are more.
2: i um, currently. A lot of barware is made all over the world, so a lot of the Japanese barware isn't made in Japan, um, a lot of the German barware isn't made in Germany, but the Germans continued to make a style of Hawthorne strainer, which is the strainer that has a coil built into it, so mm-hmm. you might use after shaking a drink, and you want to make sure to get more bits and pieces strained out. Um, so there is some German strainers, but uh, again now, I mean, Cocktail Kingdom, we manufacture our products all over the world at this point. Um, But yeah, there's a German cocktail culture as well, but it's definitely not um, as amazing as the Japanese cocktail culture. Japanese cocktail culture in the 1880s, 1890s, people left Japan to travel around the world to bring things back, and that was the golden age of the American cocktails I mentioned earlier. So in Japan they managed to capture barware as well as cocktails at their height Mm. when everything was being made the best, being made in a very purposeful way. And they kept doing that, so when I started looking into both cocktail culture and barware history, I had to go to Japan because we had prohibition in this country, they never did, so nothing stopped people in Japan from continuing to make great cocktails and great barware.
3: Mm, right, and I think uh, Japanese mind is to preserve something already existed and try to make it better rather than try to change or anything. So. That kind of makes sense. Yeah,
2: James was mentioning that with, uh, noticing that with cocktail bars, uh, the classic cocktail bars in Japan.
3: How do you describe it?
2: <laughs> in Japan? Yeah. Uh, very traditional, um,
4: fantastic cocktails that, that they're making, but again, a lot of the bars were very similar in the traditional sense of you walk in, you sit down, you're very quiet, you order your drink. Um, you wait a little while for the drink, but uh, it, it comes out fantastic. Um, and they are classic cocktail. And they're rhythm. classic cocktail, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly.
3: I, I wonder, so is this maybe the same mindset as making sushi? Because you cannot break the rule. And for cocktails, if you go beyond the classic recipes, you may need...
5: <laughs> I, I think recipe, uh, cocktails, uh, I think it's more about concept. You know, so like Manhattan's Manhattan, but um, martini's Martini, but there's a room to kind of uh, adjust to just for you, Akiko-san. Like for example, like you know, you have your preference in balance of the drink, so uh, Old Fashion or anything that the classic cocktail mm. uh, to me is about the drink or recipe. Those things uh, um, uh, as a concept, yes, you have to have certain ingredients, but the ratio changes depends on. Um, how client mm. uh, likes and...
3: Interesting, so uh, yeah, maybe cu- more customized version of the be
2: I mean, Kaza Ueda, who is um, the owner of Tender Bar in Ginza mm-hmm. and also Cocktail Kingdom, Kingdom publishes his book in English language, it's originally written in Japanese, has said that there's, uh, every classic cocktail has four recipes. The original recipe, the currently accepted recipe, the bartender's favorite version of the recipe and the customer's favorite version of
1: the recipe.
3: Mm, interesting. So. Right. That reminds me of the concept of uh, omotenashi, like hospitality. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, you know, as it was mentioned, it's not eight, eight seats or only limited in this country, but mm-hmm. they really pay 100% attention to you as a customer, although you may have to wait a little bit. But
4: <laughs> the, No, the customer services is, is fantastic. And even while you are waiting, you're just watching them make the cocktails w- within itself as a show. It's mm. very uh,
2: it was, fun to watch. Yeah, that you're paying for admission to yeah. a show to mm. watch the, the craft of the bartender. Ekatana Kitten, certainly watching Masa behind the bar, he has the fluidity of motion um, but also a, a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of whimsical nature as well
3: mm, right interesting so that's the part that we, I, I don't think we really know about Japanese mysterious cocktail culture I mean the hush hush bar people say it but there's a warm flexible hospitality side in it and the katana kitten has it so that's exciting um, so um, who buy those uh, bottles like find all, all over the country you get an order from uh,
2: all over the world um, yeah, we have cocktailkingdom.jp, for, we actually sell back to Japan a lot now, wow. but yeah, uh, all over the world, a Cocktail Kingdom is, we consider ourselves professional barware for professional bartenders, um, but as we, you know, with knives, of course, home users want the knives that the professional chefs are using, and we definitely have a lot of home users buying Cocktail Kingdom barware on our website, um, but the website's in multiple languages, in French and German mm-hmm. and uh, Spanish, and. Um, So we, Japanese, as I mentioned, so uh, the people buying it are definitely professional bartenders. That is the bulk of our business,
3: Mm. but
2: certainly uh, home users as well.
3: Home users too. Wow. Great. Yeah, I think uh, nowadays uh, cocktail world is globalized too. So at least Japan is, you know, taking a part of it. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay. So uh, what is your plan?
4: Going forward? (laughs) it. Plan?
3: Well, uh, You can say anything, plan for next vacation to mm. uh, where are you going to open another cat in the kitten, number two or...
4: I think right now we're focusing on, on, on this one and making it stronger and um, everyday going in there and making it better and better and that's kind of the, the focus from there and then we'll move from there and, and see kind of what happens but... Right now, all the focus
3: uh,
0: mm.
4: is on
2: Katana in and West Village. Yeah, we're still pretty new.
4: Mm.
0: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> we're excited, just having made the transition from summer into fall. Uh, this past weekend was quite busy, busy in a good way, from uh, under control and busy, not <laughs> hectic and busy. Uh, so I think really just planning on getting uh, settling into. Into fall and getting ready for the what in our cocktail world is a very busy season.
3: Mm, right. I really learned today that Katana Kitten is a little, you know, precious window to the Japanese cocktail culture, but it's approachable. So hopefully you can expand or something. Maybe you can open one in Japan. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That'd be fun. Right. That'd be very cool.
3: Okay. So, uh, for listeners, uh, where can we find more information about Katana Kitten and the Cocktail Kingdom?
2: katanakitten.com both websites are pretty straightforward so katanakitten.com or just come by Hudson Street and say hi and then also it's Mm -hmm. Uh, cocktailkingdom.com definitely the best way to uh, get more information
3: okay great so uh, thank you so much for joining us today
2: Thank thank you thank you thank you
3: So, okay, so listeners, um, uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for guests or topics of the show, please contact us at japanese at heritagevideo And japanese is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays, always available at heritagevideonetwork.org, org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So um, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and write a review. We appreciate your feedback. And our engineer today uh, is Matt Pattinson, and I uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.